Good evening. You're probably wondering why I'm taking my evening constitutional here in the town of Willoughby. This is the quiet town of Willoughby, a size 8 foot in the fuzzy pink slipper of Middle America. The type of place where your mother might live, or your coworker, or your creepy uncle, you know, the one who calls himself daddy and invites young women to join him in his shiny new Buick. Or a respected film director trying to introduce an anthology program that isn't made for children. These are relatable stories. Allegories, if you will. I most certainly will not. About boxers and airplane pilots and boxing airplane pilots. Real salt-of-the-earth people named Gart and Clegg. These are timeless reflections on the nature of humanity and... Let's not forget the googly-eyed monsters. It's allegory, you pile of disused hot air balloons. Why don't you try writing something original, you chain-smoking, besuited hack? What, like a husband trying to kill his wife? No, like a wife trying to kill her husband. Now please exit through that floating door and return to your flying clock, your disembodied eyeball and your other assorted beatnik hoodoo. Hoodoo? You want a piece of me, fat man? There's plenty to go around. Let's dance, little man. <laughs> Gentlemen, please. We're all on the same screen here. We're not here to fight. We're here to fright. <laughs> what the hell? It appears to be some sort of puppet. I assume it's one of yours. Shouldn't you be clinging to the wing of an aeroplane terrorizing William Shatner? Foils, please. There's no claws for all this animonstrosity. After all, we're all just dying to introduce some quality entertainment. Are you quite serious? Dead serious! Mr. Hitchcock, how do you feel about dialing M for murder? Let's show him that the real monster is us. What? No! God, no! Oh, oh God, no! Oh, I need immediate medical scare! This is the Sarcastic Voyage Podcast, featuring the Sarcastic Voyage unpaid voice acting players. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. So then the man walked over to the table and ordered a cheeseburger and fries with a Diet Coke. When the waitress brought him his food, he ate it in 20 minutes and paid with a debit card. Then he got, then he got into his car and drove home. Yeah, I'm going to level with you, man. That may be the worst Mad Libs we've ever done. In fairness, it's the only Mad Libs we've ever done. Have you only done, have you never done Mad Libs before? Oh, no, I used to do them by myself, which sort of defeats the purpose. Well, in that case, like, you just look at the thing and figure out what the words, like, you don't... Uh... Yeah, I didn't understand the point of it. That's what ah, I'm saying. Ah, I see. Well, I... Hmm. What's an adjective that fits in here? Hairy. The hairy beard. Okay, good. I like this. Yep. 
It's all coming together. Plus, it had nothing to do with Mad Magazine, which really disappointed me. Is it just me, or are are solo Mad Libs the saddest thing in the world? No, they're not the saddest thing in the world. That's that's on, to me, that's on the same territory as going out and eating ice cream by yourself. What if you're by yourself and you want ice cream? I don't know, there's just something to me that's very sad and lonely about the guy in the ice cream parlor eating ice cream by himself. Okay, but... That's a guy who needs a hug and a friend. The alternative to that is I was recently, like last week, invited to my work's ice cream social. <laughs> to which I did not go. I declined to go to the ice cream social? Yes. That's a shame, because I would like to discuss what an ice cream social involves with you, Al. Well, the my work thinks it involves going to the break room and eating probably, like, a tub of terrible Neapolitan Costco ice cream oh, and, and meeting people and that mingling. Sh- that shit is the worst. I mean, it's still ice cream. I mean, I guess. I mean, there, if you Sunday it up enough, it'll, you know, it'll be fine. There's something we're lear- Apparently we're learning a lot about my feelings about loneliness on ice cream this week. But I guess. There's something sad about the the industrial the industrial size, uh, no-name brand Neapolitan ice cream. Okay, so what is, a, what is a, a festive kind of ice cream for you? I don't know, you know, out with people, you gotta like a, get like a decent Sunday bar or something. Do you have Sunday bars? I have been to places that have Sunday bars. I believe Pizza Hut still has a Sunday bar. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. No, I thought you meant like a bar. Oh, like a bar of Sunday? No, no, no. Like a like a like an establishment that is that is mostly there to serve you ice cream. Like like a bar would be for beer. Okay, I follow you. I follow you. Now. Only for ice cream. Right. Not just an ice cream parlor, but something more geared toward socializing and like Right. I don't know, eating so much ice cream until you get a horrible ice cream headache, and then doing that every Friday until you die. Sugar Crunch Cereal presents The Radio Adventures of Matt and Algar, starring Matt Robotham and Ron Algar-Watt as themselves. Our story so far. Stranded on an asteroid somewhere in the outskirts of Mercury, Matt... Algar and Commander Slap's strong arm of the Orbit Cops now await the robot patrol ship that will carry them back to civilization. And now, today's episode, Stranded in the Void. Al? Al, you down here? That depends. Are you alone? What? Oh, yeah. I I convinced Captain Squaresville that uh, we need an accurate measurement of this asteroid for our report, so he's up there pacing it off. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, uh, what is this place? Heck if I know. I was looking for a little shade, what with us being in the outskirts of Mercury and all, and I found this cave. It's awfully dark in here. Which is why I have this. Hey, what is that? It's an official B-O-T-T-O-M cosmic illuminator. Hey, that's pretty sharp. And very versatile. This thing's got me out of more than a few jams in the past. Gentlemen, are you down here? Hello! I don't guess you could turn that thing off till he gives up and, you know, looks for us someplace else, could you, maybe? There you are. Too late. I measured the entire surface area of this asteroid, and it's... Say, is that an official Orbit Cops Astrolite? No, it's Yes, a... it is. I can clearly see where a decal... Decal. I can clearly see where a sticker with your logo has been placed over the sticker with our logo. What's going on here? 
Listen, Commander Strongarm, all I know is that I was issued this light by B-O-T-T-O-M Command, and that the boys and girls at home could get one of their very own by- Now see here, those are our flashlights, and I won't stand- Whoa, for... what's that? I'd appreciate it if you didn't change the subject. No, he's right. It sounds like, well, science. Yeah, come on, we better go check it out. Good idea. <sighs> I suppose we're going towards that science noise, then. Great planets! It appears to be some kind of secret science lab. Say it a little louder. I don't think they heard you on Pluto. You're not just going to charge in there and start pulling levers like you did the last time, are you? Matt, please. I'm a pilot. Every decision I make, no matter how hasty it might appear, is carefully measured against all available data. Also, the machinery here doesn't have levers. It's mostly buttons. <laughs> push a button to show me what a button does. Didn't I? <laughs> no! <clears throat> I'm probably going to regret asking this, but where did Commander Strongarm go? I saw him over there a minute ago, next to those Saturnian lemurs. Oh, I didn't see those. Hello, little lemurs. Who's a pack of cute little test subjects? Oh, oh, there he is, up in that tree. Clinging for dear life. Commander Strongarm! He, he's just staring at me, and he looks terrified. Uh, Al? Down by your feet. Oh, hey, little space lemur. I said I'm down here, in this lemur's body. Apparently our minds got switched somehow. Well, that's not the most hilarious thing I've ever seen. Or is it? Tune in again for our next exciting installment, Purple Winged Terror. Only on the Sarcastic Voyage Podcast. Hi gang! Did you know that even though we've been transported to the far-off future year of 2014, you can still become a Sarcastier for only 20 bucks? Wait a minute. What is this? I'm telling the fellas and girls out there how they can join the official Radio Adventures of Matt and Algar fan club. You mean how they can become Junior Orbit Cops? Nope. I sure don't mean that. If you join the Sarcastiers, the fan club of which I proudly serve as president, we'll send you all kinds of nifty gear. But we do that too. Shush. Sarcastiers get two iron-ons, a window cling, a numbered badge, a decoder ring, a ray gun, and now for the first time ever, an authentic B-O-T-T-O-M cosmic illuminator. Just like the one Mr. Al used in today's adventure. Wasn't that just an Orbit Cops Astro Light? That's right, kids. Go to sarcasticvoyage.com and click store to get your own Sarcastier's membership kit. Accept no substitutes. I feel like I should report this to Commander Strongarm. And I feel like you should cram it. Capitan, we have much work to do here if we are to find the rebels. Why are we stopping here in this cantina? Because, Sergeant, this is El Carne Azul. A popular karaoke spot for those very rebels. More importantly, that stage up there is an important platform for sending out coded messages. Uh, how do you mean, sir? I was in this very bar in 2006, waiting for my turn to sing, when a very intense young man took the microphone and performed a spot-on rendition of the Beatles' revolution. 
The next day was, of course, the attempted coup that nearly displaced our Presidente. That song was a signal to agents in waiting to take up arms and rise against the legitimate government of our great nation. What did you sing? Okay. You said you were here waiting for your turn. Uh, what song did you sing? I don't remember. But we should put a song in so we don't look too obvious. Uh, that seems like a thing you would remember, Captain. Everyone has their go-to karaoke songs, eh? Is it the song you're putting in now? It's not important, Sergeant. Now we're here to root out possible rebels. All right, folks. Thanks for coming to Karaoke Net at El Carne Azul. Our first singer tonight is Maribel. Small town girl living in a lonely world. She, she took, took the midnight train going anywhere. Damn it, Sergeant. Focus. That song is by the American band Journey. It might be a signal to the rebels that they are about to take a journey of some kind. <laughs> oh, really? And shall we station men at train stations serving a destination to anywhere? <laughs> Perhaps you are right. This is too obvious, too literal. Maybe the next song will tell us what these rebels have planned. Muy bien. Let's give it up for Mary Bell. Now we have Gabriel. Come on up to the stage. I can't begin to know it, but then I know it's growing strong. What is this song? It's growing strong? I don't know this song. Really, Captain? You do not know the words of a near diamond? This song is a standard karaoke. What was that? What just happened? Uh, relax, Capitan. I was just telling you this song is very popular for karaoke because of the, the, the audience participation part. It seemed to me that we were surrounded by rebels. You sure this is a normal reaction to this song? See, si, Capitan. You are one of my most trusted subordinates. So, I believe you. For now. Oh, look, they're about to start a new song. Is everyone just singing the first verse of these songs and leaving? Next up, always a crowd pleaser, Jorge, come on up to the stage. I do not trust this song. So with all due respect, you have not trusted any of these songs. <laughs> Yo soy marinero, soy capitán, soy capitán, soy capitán. Gee, I knew it! You are not the captain, I am the captain, soy capitán! Sir, you must calm down, this song... So you're with them, are you, sergeant? All of you are in this together? Sir, please put the gun down, eh? Well, I'm leaving now, but I'll be back with my army. And you'll all be sorry! Sir, 
sorry, sorry, everyone. Lo siento. Sorry, just go. Please go back to your singing. Yes. Hey, I know that guy. Yeah, he was in here a few years ago. He did ham too sexy. Oh, there's always one. Hi, my name is Deborah Gill, and I'm a full-time professional real estate agent. I love what I do, and I will work diligently to promote your interest and protect your investment. You've probably heard that number one rule in real estate is location, location, location. At League 20K Realty, we've combined this conventional wisdom with the knowledge that global climate change will be driving sea levels to unprecedented heights in the near future, which is why I'm proud to serve you as this region's first underwater realtor. I've traded my red blazer in for a buoyancy compensator vest, and I'm ready to sell you a home in the vast, untapped market that currently occupies two-thirds of this planet's surface area. So far, it's a growing market. Let's meet some potential buyers now. We're here at the remains of the USS Hammerhead, a Sturgeon-class submarine decommissioned by the U.S. Navy in 1995. Her engines, weapons, and sophisticated detection equipment has been stripped, but the Hammerhead lives on as a three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath rambler with a breakfast nook and an unparalleled view of the bottom of Puget Sound. Seems like a bit of a fixer-upper to me. Of course, not every property we show is as extravagant as these mighty, cold war leviathans. I also manage a number of properties throughout the region. Look for my for sale buoys or watch our Sunday morning parade of homes on cable access. It doubles as a soothing aquarium-themed screensaver. I promise to give you as stress-free an experience as possible. The only pressure you'll feel is the natural kind that occurs here. Beneath the sea. Underwater Realtor. League 20K Realty. It's the wave of the future. Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. I was thinking about science. My name is Dr. Kenneth Noisewater. I'm the chief of research here at the Institute for the Study of Absurd Diseases, or ISAD. I'm sorry to hear that, Ken. Thank you. Dr. Pepper. <clears throat> Here at the Institute, we're dedicated to analyzing the diseases, illnesses, and chronic conditions that other scientific bodies ignore, and sometimes outright refuse to study. Conditions such as invisibilism, the chronic inability to be seen by the human eye. Come, let me show you. You can see here, in our state-of-the-art fiberglass containment cage with asbestos insulation and cherry walnut paneling, a sufferer of just such a condition, a little boy named Ralph. Or Nazi, rather. In fact, we're not even sure he's still in there. We ought to send one of our interns in to check, but we've been told by our chief oncologist, Dr. James Westfall, that the area is incredibly carcinogenic for some reason. Ah, the mysteries of science. Come, there's still so much more to see. Now here you can see Chief Veterinary Specialist and proud immigrant Dr. Check working with one of our in-house animals here at ISAB. I hope you'll feel better soon, Ken. Really? We're gonna do this now? Of all days? <clears throat> Could you please tell our viewers what's wrong with this one, Piotr? Uh, this particular animal, which the more scientifically literate among you might recognize, is a chicken. 
suffers from an incredibly rare, exclusively Geline form of Tourette syndrome. Please observe as I place this tuna of the land in our patented what are you talking about machine. That's absolutely fascinating, Piotr. You know, that reminds me, it's drumstick day in the calf. You might want to wrap this up and get ahead of the line. And take him with you, too. I think we can call this a dead end. Leave, mother... Of course, not every condition we study here at the Institute is as safe as an invisible boy or a foul-mouthed... Uh, foul. Here you'll witness one of the most unpredictable and dangerous afflictions we've ever encountered. Body Heat Syndrome. Watch as our perky junior assistant, Dr. Thunder, introduces an erotic stimulus to that mustachioed gentleman over there. <laughs> Don't worry. She'll only be utilizing our state-of-the-art intercom system. Moist vulva. <laughs> Under a minute this time. My god, it's getting worse. Luckily, our scientists and technicians here are world-class, dedicated to curing even the most ridiculous of ailments. That's the quality of research one can expect from an organization like ISAD. Cheer up, Ken. It'll get better. God damn it, Wilma. The joke was funny for like a second, the very first day, but we've been here for nine goddamn years now and it's never ever been funny again. Ever. I'm ironically sick of hearing it. Wow, looks like someone's got a case of the Mondays. Mondays? Oh Christ, it's broken containment. Self-destruct sequence initiated. Please clear the area. I hate this place. <laughs> well, no. I didn't quite get that far. Well, I haven't... Would you let me speak, please? I haven't actually left the country yet. No, I didn't make it to the airport. No, I didn't make it out of the county. I'm... You know that foreboding, seemingly endless desert between our house and the airport? Yeah, I ran out of gas in that. No, right in the middle of that. Like, literally in the geographic center of that, so that I am equidistantly far from any hope of salvation. No, not that kind of salvation. Yes, I'm aware that Jesus spent 40 days in the desert. No, I don't plan to be here quite that long. You may recall that I have a mountain to climb. Yes, I am also aware that this mountain is in Tibet. They actually have a saying there. The journey of a thousand steps begins with a hundred thousand steps through the impassable desert between our house and the airport. No, they don't actually have that saying. I'm trying to lighten the mood a little here. There are a number of vultures circling ominously overhead, and I could use the tiniest bit of levity at the moment. Okay, maybe they're buzzards. Well, I don't know. You're the ornithologist. I never bothered to study up on this sort of thing because it seemed like overkill to have two bird experts living under one roof. Now, I can't tell what their beaks look like. I, I definitely can't see their plumage. 
What? What? Sure. Sure, I can take a picture of them. Hang on a minute. Okay, it should be sending to you now, but I don't... Hello? Hello? Ugh. No bars. Great. Hi, Sven. This is Sydney. I guess there's no signal here in the impassable desert between our house and the airport, so our phone call got cut off. I'm recording this as a voice memo so that I can keep talking and keep my mind off my increasingly dire situation. Hopefully, I'll be sending this to you later from an airplane as an attachment, and you're not hearing this after recovering it from my bloated, picked apart by bird's corpse. I'm still not sure if those are buzzards or vultures circling up there, despite the fact that they're circling substantially closer than they were before. They kind of look like that big dumb bird from the Bugs Bunny cartoons, and I think he was a vulture, right? I'm hoping that those cartoons were accurate in their portrayal of those birds as particularly stupid and gullible. I suspect that, as an ornithologist, you would frown upon my reliance upon merry melodies for my knowledge of birds, but we work with the tools we have on hand. And the tools that I have are rock climbing supplies, survival rations for near arctic conditions, and a vague memory of the classic cartoons of the 40s and 50s. I just hope that'll be enough. Here we are, doll whiskers. These are the cat's pajamas I was telling you about. These look like a bunch of sweaty Italians to me. Sweaty drunk Italian. That's Dino. And the salt in the swoon himself, Frank. That's a real ripe tomato you got there, Sammy. <laughs> Thank you. I think. And who are these other guys? Oh, you know, the Rat Pack, baby. There's, uh... Oh. Ah, uh, there's this Clyde here. Vincent Price, ma'am. It's an absolute pleasure. Happy to meet a woman who isn't hanging from the rafters. I thought you were married. Oh, but I was. I caught my bride in bed with Gene Wilder on our wedding night, just before they both died in a freak poison fire. Oh, too tragic. Not to mention likely. Wait a minute. Is this creep actually part of our entourage? I mean, I guess. We're all pretty drunk. Moving right along, this is, uh... Edwin! <laughs> Edward G. Robinson. <laughs> Mr. Ed. Hello. I'm Mr. Ed. And then there's, uh... Uh, there's this guy. Truman Capote, ma'am. An absolute pleasure. I already said that. But I said it better. Be a dear. Hold this bottle of flammable poison while I go get my lighter. I'm sure I would have remembered one of these tutti fruities hanging around. Oh, speaking of which, I thought Rip Taylor was in your little group. Ah, you're thinking of the cravat pack. Charles Nelson Riley, Paul Lynn, they're over there. <laughs> well, I'm not entirely sure which of these cats is actually in the Rat Pack, but uh, what the hey, man, I, I wanted to invite y'all to my crazy kooky blood ritual. Satanist weddings really are beautiful. Anton LaVey has agreed to officiate. What the hell just happened? The joint's on fire, Jack. Literally. Christ. 
All the exits are blocked, baby. We're gonna roast alive, Jack. All booze for me. <coughs> oh my, what an unavoidable tragic. This all could have been prevented if I hadn't blocked the fire exits and lit everyone aflame. Uh, something from Edgar Allan Poe. Good night. Egg. Good morrow and hello and transmartian salutations. I am John T. Zero, swashbuckling time jockey and eldest statesman of temporal etiquette. This recording is number 16 in a series of 120 intended to provide the neophyte time traveler with a basic overview of various historical norms. Our subject today is personal hygiene. A common gaffe among chrono-adventurers is the assumption that grooming practices are more or less constant across the continuum. Unfortunately, the realization that they are mistaken often comes as they sink to the bottom of a lake inside a sack full of stones. This recording will cover some of the common practices in some of the more popular temporal destinations. Lesson 1. Victorian England during Christmas. This is undoubtedly the most popular time period for the beginning time traveler, so much so, in fact, that our census puts the population of London on December 25th, 1878 at over 25% time travellers. You may be aware of the common practice for gentlemen to retire to the parlour or sitting room for cigars and brandy in this period. What you may not know, possibly to your detriment, is that it was also common practice to stand behind a thin screen and urinate within inches of said brandy and cigars. Excusing yourself to use the lavatory would, in this case, be a serious faux pas. Lesson 2. America in the 1950s. I cannot stress enough how meticulous, bordering on compulsive, this era was in its attention to hygienic practices Specifically, the fingernails. Period media would seem to indicate that even the least attentive young people in this period would tend to the health and cleanliness of their fingernails at least 20 times a day. This was vital in preparing for the elaborate courtship rituals of the era in which one was, paradoxically, encouraged to date as many members of the opposite sex as possible whilst simultaneously engaging in absolutely no sexual activity whatsoever. Lesson 3. If you intend to bet the legendary French General Napoleon Bonaparte, do not wash your genitals. He was into that. Lesson 4. If you find yourself in the early 21st century, do not under any circumstances have pubic hair! Scholars really don't understand why, but the sight of hair anywhere near a set of genitals in this period would not only cause you to be rejected as a sexual partner, but could compromise your identity as a time traveler. Finally, lesson five. Be advised that while Axe body spray is an omnipresent soap, deodorant, and bathing alternative in the enlightened era of 2074, it is actually somehow regarded as offensive in many of the aforementioned time periods. This is John T. Zero wishing you safe journeys!
This fall on SVN, in the tradition of Doogie Hauser, MD, and the driving instructor who just started teething, comes a new kind of cop show. Detective Barnes reporting for duty, sir. Spanky Barnes, pubescent detective. At the age of only 12, precocious young Spanky Barnes had already tested at a high school and college and decided to put his advanced intellect to use on the streets, fighting crime. Freeze! Uh, <clears throat> freeze, dirtbag! But can Spanky deal with a city of criminals, a corrupt police force, the rigid technical requirements of the justice system, and the seemingly overnight appearance of hair in uncomfortable new places? Good work out there today, detective. Now let's hit the showers. Oh, um, you go ahead. Uh, I have some paperwork to catch up on. Will Spanky be able to bring about lasting change on the streets while also coping with the changes in his very physiology? Detective Barnes, meet your new partner, 24-year-old Barbara Buxom. I look forward to working with you, detective. Oh. Will his situation compromise his safety and the safety of his fellow officers? To present the facts we've gathered so far, I'd like Detective Spanky Barnes to come up to the blackboard, please. Detective? Uh, I'll just do my presentation for my seat, Captain. But your binder's in your lap, Detective. Oh, God. They know. I can tell they all know. Spanky Barnes. Pubescent Detective. Thursdays this fall on SVN. Good cop and bad cop have gone home for the day. Now to see if I can find their porn! Today's episode of Sarcastic Voyage is brought to you by... Penguin noises. Penguin noises. I was going to say dildos delivered by drones, but uh, also... Dildo drones. I was, I was just thinking of dildo drones. See, the great thing there is that those will fit in the pneumatic tube quite nicely. No, 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 no. You want you want a drone. You want robot armies bringing your phallic uh, toys. I absolutely want that. And I, I don't mean, like, one. I mean, like, blotting out the sun with, like, hundreds of these tiny little helicopters. While flight like, the Valkyrie place. With rubber dicks, yes. I don't, I just want one, but it's covered in tiny arms, each one holding its own dildo. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you need more dicks for the dick ship. Yeah. Yes, sure, you've mentioned that several times. I don't know where this came from, but the the phrase dildo drone came into my head one day, and now I just want to see, like, a drone delivering a dildo. Yep. It's, I just, before I die, that's what I want to see. Your dildo, sir. Yep. Do, do you think they'll have the robot voices? I hope so. I mean, I, I assume they would either give them the, the nice, like, uh, female, you know, sort of non-threatening operator voice, or, like, the crazy, like, movie phone voice. Right. See, you know, those both seem likely, but, you know, it's like, I want Siri to have the the robot guy voice, you know? Well, there was an upgrade to Siri a while back where she started sounding less robotic. Yeah, I don't want that. And But she still sounds robotic. Now there's this weird sort of, like uncanny valley thing happening ah where it's like now i can kind of tell that they're trying to sound human and it doesn't work mm -hmm. and it's, it's no good no with me it's two options either it's got to sound like you know evil 60s robot mm -hmm. or major barrett it's one of the two otherwise i don't i don't want it yeah and unfortunately major barrett passed away before they could like get her voice harvest down her voice yeah harvest her voice yes so we have a piece of mail here ah I like uh, that. I'll lay it this, on me. this one comes from longtime writer Mike X. 
All right. And he says, Dear Alan Matt, I hope this gets to you before your anniversary show. Uh, unfortunately, it did not. Just, but, uh, just uh, missed the target there, old man. Actually, he did send it before the show. Oh, well, then we're just awful. But we, well, you know, the show we did at that point was the live show. We didn't answer mail in the live show. Oh, so. well, then, yes, you're as close as you could possibly get to yes. the live show. He says, I can't be there because life, but I wanted to congratulate you guys on the milestone. It's been well, a lot of fun. You. It's been a lot of fun listening over the years, especially when you both had afros in the 70s, <laughs> when you both wore Devo suits all the time in the 80s. Still had an afro then. I wasn't sure the stringy hair and flannel worked in the 90s, though. Sorry. No question this time other than this. Have you been enjoying yourselves? Take care, Mike. Oh, Mike. I have. Yes. I, I've been living large. Things have been going pretty well lately, actually. Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah. I mean, yes for me, but I just assume when things are going well for me, everything's going horribly for everyone else. Uh, I mean, maybe everyone else, but uh, I'm doing pretty okay right now. Well, that's good to hear. No, yeah. usually it's like, great, I feel great, and all my friends are like, nope, now my various, like, everything has collapsed around me, or now is the time I, I have chosen to, to be depressed, mm -hmm. or because that's how that works. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, something like that. It's always like, my happiness never lines up with anyone else's happiness. So that's that's weird. Well, in this case, it has, with mine. Oh, well, good. Why? I don't know. No. Oh. <laughs> I'm on an upswing. All right, then. I'll just take that right now. Take that! <laughs> take that! Not being happy? <laughs> so, if you want to write to us, as Mike has, uh, it is sarcasticvoyage at gmail. We would love to hear from you. Yes, indeed. Uh, the website is sarcasticvoyage.com. I have added some things there. I have I have put all the sketches we've ever done, and there are hundreds. We have done hundreds of sketches. Yeah. And they are available individually for your for your listening pleasure, for your download, uh, for your reference. I put pictures up from our live show. I put uh, pictures of all the uh, uh, unpaid voice acting players. There's there's a lot of information there mm -hmm. if, if you want it. So check that out. And for now, we will just wish you safe journeys. Safe journeys. This episode of the Sarcastic Voyage podcast starred Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham with Duncan Bosco, Mark Bosco, Dave Fields, Danielle K.L. Gregoire, Nathan Lajeunesse, Brian Lynch, Joseph Ravenson, Amanda Smith, Sabrina Snyder, and Jason Wallace. It was written by Ron Algar-Watt with Matt Robotham, Amanda Smith, and Jason Wallace. It was produced by Algar Productions, copyright 2014. This episode of the Sarcastic Voyage podcast starred Ron A.B. Watt and Matt C.D. Robotham with Duncan E.F. Bosco, Mark G.H. Bosco, Dave I.J. Fields, Danielle K.L. Gregoire, Nathan M.N.O. Lajeunesse, Brian P.Q. Lynch, Joseph R.S.T. Ravenson, Amanda U.V. Smith, Sabrina W.X. Snyder, and Jason Y.Z. Wallace. I already said that. I already said that. That sounds a little too Capodius. I don't want the impressions to run into each other. I already said that. Work, work a Y in there. Alright.